Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. Travel, like life, is best understood backward, but must be experienced forward, to paraphrase Kierkegaard. After decades of wandering, only now does a pattern emerge. I'm drawn to places that beguile and inspire, sedate and stir, places where, for a few blissful moments, I loosen my death grip on life and can breathe again. It turns out these destinations have a name, Thin Places. It's not clear who first uttered the term thin places, but they almost certainly spoke with an Irish brogue. The ancient pagan Celts and later Christians used the term to describe mesmerizing places like the windswept Isle of Ionia, now part of Scotland, or the rocky peaks of Craigpatrick. Heaven and earth, the Celtic saying goes, are only three feet apart, but in thin places, that distance is even shorter. So what exactly makes a place thin? It's easier to say what a thin place is not. A thin place is not necessarily a tranquil place, or a fun one, or even a beautiful one, though it may be all those things too. Disney World is not a thin place, nor is Cancun. Thin places relax us, yes, but they also transform us, or more accurately, unmask us. In thin places, we become our more essential selves. Hello and welcome to Born of Wonder. On this podcast, we explore everything and anything that inspires wonder and awe in the world. I'm Katie Marquette. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about thin places. I'm going to be reading you uh, from an article from 2012, so 10 years ago, in the in the New York Times, written by Eric Weiner, Um, and it's it's lovely. It's it's called uh, "Where Heaven and Earth Come Closer." And it's, it's a travel piece. It's about finding those places in the world that he considers thin places and what is a thin place and what makes these places so transformative and why uh, they're so essential to our, our spiritual lives and our uh, emotional lives. And I think that probably all of us can think of a few places in the world that, that we would think of as thin places. I certainly think of um, certain cathedrals I've been in, the Baltimore Basilica. I think of Scotland, the Scottish Highlands absolutely uh, the Isle of Skye uh, hiking to the top of the old man of store are just a few that initially come to mind but uh, I just love this concept I think it's a beautiful idea uh, this idea if you think of it that there is a a veil between heaven and earth um, sort of this this thin thin veil that um, that divides us that is so so paper thin but um, but but acts like a, a brick wall uh, in most of our lives we just can't see beyond it and uh, then there are these places where maybe maybe things uh, you know become a little clearer where where we can see just just a little a little bit we can uh, you know the, the 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 solidness of that of that wall 
uh, fades a little bit and we, we get a taste, a touch of something beyond this world. And I think that this is a relevant concept to uh, people of all faith traditions, people of no faith traditions, because it's a human experience. It's absolutely uh, vital to the human condition to feel connected to something outside of oneself, to feel a part of something, and to feel like you've emotionally and spiritually connected to something beyond. I think that that is uh, one of the most profound parts of being a human being, and I think it's beautiful that we can uh, experience that feeling and that it has such a profound impact on us. So I wanted to just explore that concept a little bit. I'm going to read from that essay. And I'm also going to share sort of um, an idea here that I think that thin thin places are not just places, but uh, emotional states. And uh, I don't think you need to travel to find a thin place. I think that sometimes we can, we can be surprised by a thin place. And I'll go into a little bit uh, what I mean about that in my own life and just some things I've been thinking about recently, how I've felt connected to people, um, you know, people who have died, you know, to past memories, things like that, because of objects or, uh, or places uh, within my own home, um, and how those can be thin places. I also think a thin place can be um, at these sort of vital moments of life, uh, giving birth, uh, being with someone when they're dying, uh, marriage, you know, baptism, beautiful moments where sort of, uh, especially in the experience of sacraments, just that, again, that that veil is, is lifted just a little bit, um, and we can, we can feel something beyond. So I think this is a really, uh, really great concept to explore. I hope it's inspiring. And, uh, and yeah, that will, that will be today's episode. I think I'm going to take next week off. Um, it will be my dad's, uh, 70th birthday, uh, next Tuesday. And, uh, we have some, uh, other family visiting and things like that. And it's just, you know, a busy end of summer. I don't think too many people are, uh, dying to update their podcast feeds. Anyway, everybody's getting busy. They're going back to school. Uh, that kind of rush is happening. If you missed my episode about, autumn, you can go back uh, two episodes ago when I just sort of uh, wax philosophic about the the new year uh, that that uh, that autumn brings us that September in particular brings us back to school. Uh, all the all those good things, the back to school mentality, whether or not you're actually going back to school, I find it very refreshing and um, motivating. So um, but but yeah, I hope everybody's doing great. And uh Looking forward to to all the amazing months to come. I have lots of fun ideas for episodes coming up. If you'd like to uh, learn more about me, learn learn more about the podcast, email me, anything like that, you can visit the website, bornofwonder.com. You can email me there. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Just go to the contact page. You can also find the link for the Patreon support page there. Thank you to new patrons. Uh, uh, really, really appreciate it. $2 a month. Um, it really makes a huge difference. It, it, it helps pay for the subscriptions to Adobe Audition and licensing for music and other things like that. And also helps me, uh, you know, not feel too bad when I want to get a coffee or something like that. So, which is also very essential for getting this podcast done. So I really, really appreciate you if you'd like to become a patron and join in. Uh, you would just follow the link either in the show notes or on the website. So thank you so much. And thank you for listening. And just uh, thank you for leaving reviews and, and sharing the podcast. That is the number one way podcasts get known is uh, is is through sharing and, and recommendations. And most people I talked to, uh, it was through a recommendation. So I really, really appreciate those of you who have shared episodes, shared the podcast. So, so appreciate it. So without further ado, let's launch into this episode all about thin places. 
Finn places are often sacred ones. St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City, the Blue Mosque in Istanbul. But they need not be, at least not conventionally so. A park or even a city square can be a thin place. So can an airport. I love airports. I love their self-contained hermetic quality and the way they make me think that I am floating, suspended between coming and going. One of my favorites is Hong Kong International, a marvel of aesthetics and efficiency. I could spend hours, days, perched on its mezzanine deck, watching life unfold below. Kennedy Airport, on the other hand, is for the most part a thick place. Spread out over eight terminals, there is no center of gravity, nothing to hold on to. A bar can be a thin place, too. A while ago, I stumbled across a very thin bar, tucked away in a neighborhood in Tokyo. Like many such establishments, this one was tiny, with only four seats and about as big as a large bathroom. But it inspired cathedral awe. The polished wood was dark and smooth. The row of single malts were illuminated in such a way that they glowed. Using a chisel, the bartender manifested, there's no other word for it, ice cubes that rose to the level of art. The place was so comfortable in its own skin, so at home with its own nature, its suchness, the Buddhists would put it, that I couldn't help but feel the same way. Mircea Eliade, the religious scholar, would understand what I experienced in that Tokyo bar. Writing in his classic work, The Sacred and Profane, he observed that some parts of space are qualitatively different from others. An Apache proverb takes that idea a step further. Wisdom sits in places. The question, of course, is which places, and how do we get there? You don't plan a trip to a thin place, you stumble upon one. But there are steps you can take to increase the odds of an encounter with thinness. For starters, have no expectations. Nothing gets in the way of a genuine experience more than expectations, which explains why so many spiritual journeys disappoint. And don't count on guidebooks or even friends to pinpoint your thin places. To some extent, thinness, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. Or to put it another way, one person's thin place is another's thick one. So a bit more from that essay by Eric Weiner in, uh, in the New York Times. Uh, I just think that's a beautiful concept. I think he described it really well, too, how uh, thin places are, um, are personal, too. Uh, one person's thin place is another person's thick place, but they do share qualities. Um, uh, beauty is often part of it. Uh, but something um, so, so I guess the right word is, like he said, comfortable in its own skin. You just, there's an authenticity to these places that I think is, is uh, paramount to experiencing them fully. I think that that's a really good way to put it. So I wanted to expand on this idea. So I was thinking today, um, I was playing the piano. And I was thinking about how it's my grandmother's piano, my grandmother who died, uh, gosh, how many years ago now? Um, Six years ago, seven years ago. And uh, I've mentioned her on the podcast before. She was a lovely, lovely person. She lived to the wonderful old age of 101. And she was an amazing pianist. She was Peabody's longest running student. She played the piano her whole life. And we have her piano now. So it's it's just lovely that we have it. We have a picture of her. you know, right nearby, and I'm just playing this piano, messing around with with Jojo playing in the background, and uh, I'm thinking how I'm 
feeling connected uh, to my grandmother because of this piano, and this piano becomes a thin place, becomes a thin object to me because it's a tangible sign of a spiritual reality. That's actually the definition of a sacrament in some places. Um, and and I think that that's so beautiful to find these things in, um, in our own lives. Uh, we, we don't have to travel the world to find them, that there, there can be thin places in your own home that uh, make maybe connect you to a person, an idea, or just make you, uh, again, make you feel that sort of um, emotional, spiritual connection beyond the veil. But I thought it was really um, just beautiful point of connection to be, uh, just to, to have this piano in our house and to be playing the piano and then for Jojo to be messing around on it. And, uh, and for those keys to be the same ones my grandmother played, to think of her playing the piano and how there was this sense of continuity, this sense of connection with her that continues, um, will, will always continue. Um, and, and, you know, even though she's, she's gone now, um, but, but, but that this piano and music become sort of a point of connection uh, for, for me to her uh, as a thin, a thin place in my life. <laughs> A few more words here from the New York Times essay. Many thin places are wild, untamed, but cities can also be surprisingly thin. The world's first urban centers in Mesopotamia were erected not as places of commerce or empire, but rather so inhabitants could consort with the gods. What better place to marvel at the glory of God and his handiwork than on the Bund in Shanghai with the Jetsons-like skyscrapers towering above, or at Montmartre in Paris with the city's Gothic glory revealed below? Bookstores are thin places, too, and for me, none is thinner than Powell's in Portland, Oregon. Sure, there are grander bookstores and older ones, but none quite possess Powell's mix of order and serendipity, especially in its used book collection. Chekhov happily cohabitating with personal finance for dummies, Balzac snuggling with Grisham. Yet, ultimately, an inherent contradiction trips up any spiritual walkabout. The divine supposedly transcends time and space, yet we seek it in very specific places and at very specific times. If God, however defined, is everywhere and every when, as the Australian aboriginals put it so wonderfully, then why are some places thin and others not? Why isn't the whole world thin? Maybe it is because we're too thick to recognize it. Maybe thin places offer glimpses not of heaven, but of earth as it really is, unencumbered, unmasked. So I think that was, you know, it's just a lovely essay. I only read excerpts from it. I will put the link in the show notes uh, again to this 2012 essay in the New York Times, a travel essay uh, about thin places in the world. I really love that idea that, uh, that he quotes from the Australian Aboriginals. Every when. God is everywhere and every when. Uh, that's, that's really beautiful. That's Thomas Aquinas, too, you know, that God experiences time all at once, an explosion of being. 
that's a beautiful concept uh, and sort of impossible to grasp. Um, but maybe the whole world is thin. I think that's the idea is that um, this is a reality that exists all the time, but we only have eyes to see it uh, occasionally in certain places and people and experiences will will bring that out for us. But um, it's, it's a really um, powerful thing to think about that there's this whole world that exists uh, just sort of parallel to us that we, we aren't even aware of 99% of the time. I always think of that great speech, I've quoted it before on the podcast, of Puddle Glum in, uh, in The Silver Chair, one of the Narnia books, and he's talking about how the witch has convinced them that there's no overworld, they're stuck underground, and of course overworld is the beautiful real world with Aslan and all the Narnian creatures and, and this beautiful reality, and here they are in this gloomy underworld, and she's saying, you're crazy for, you know, you've made this up, this is a story for children, and he um, just has this beautiful inspiring speech that I'd like to reread many times, you know, this like, if, if, if this world doesn't exist, I'm going to, I, I, I don't care, I believe it exists, you know, and of course, he's right, this world does exist. But it's just this whole concept to think about that, like, if we're in this underground world, and that there's actually this whole overworld um, that continues to exist. Uh, but, but we can be so easily convinced out of it because it can be hard to see it. So the, those moments in the thin places are really, really important for our spiritual well-being um, because they remind us and convict us that, uh, that that other world does, in fact, exist. This is also Plato, right? This is Plato in the cave. Um, we're watching shadows on the wall, and then suddenly we look out and we see the real world. Um, so... It's not to say we're living in the matrix, you know, but I do think, uh, especially nowadays, I mean, how easy is it to live in unrealities? And I think of Thin Places actually, for all their romance and everything, as encounters with reality, with the world as it really is in its in its incredible profundity. So um, I love that whole idea. Uh, I was going to just share um, one more thing from my own experiences today, actually just thinking about this concept, mulling over it as I'm playing with JoJo throughout the day. You want that one? Okay. Let's see. She's pulling records out. We have a record player and we have a big collection of records and um, <laughs> most of them are from uh, Chris is from my husband's late father. And, uh, and you know, I'm just, we're just pulling out all these records and a few of them have, um, you know, scribbled handwriting on the covers, things like that. And, uh, and you know, we're playing the records <laughs> and stuff like that. And again, I'm thinking, wow, we're, we're still connected to... Uh, you know, to all these people, we're connected to to Chris's dad and these musicians, both alive and dead, and everything like that. And especially when you have sort of a a retro um, means of listening to something like that, you feel even more connected. So again, a, an object that um, helps you uh, connect beyond uh, your your physical place, um, beyond your emotional space. Um, I was also thinking about we found um, an old. VHS, we finally found a VHS player to play it, which was like my one-year video, you know, when I was a one-year-old baby. And there are lots of, you know, images, uh, videos of me and my mom and everything. And it made me think about how I'm about to have another little girl and I'll be the mother of two daughters and she was the mother of two daughters. And so even though she died, you know, um, almost a decade ago, and never, you know, knew her granddaughters and didn't know me as a mother or anything like that. We now have this, uh, this point of connection together, like that, um, where we have this same experience and watching these images of her with me as a baby, which is always so strange to see yourself as a baby. Um, but 
you know, that I'm seeing how I am with my baby. And it's, I, I understand something about her that I didn't before. And there's this connection between us. And I felt very, um, very connected to her in ways that maybe I didn't even when she was alive. Because now this is a thin place. This is a thin experience. This is a thin emotional reality uh, that, that sort of, yeah, our emotional, um, our emotional wavelength is connected now uh, in a way it wasn't. And uh, so so that's become a thin place, a thin place of connection. And I think that's the other idea here is that thin places are points of connection. In a world of alienation, thin places connect us to real things. They connect us to reality. They t- connect us to God. They ex- connect us to beauty and wonder and awe and all those beautiful, beautiful things. So I hope that this was inspiring. Maybe um, maybe you'll walk around your house. And I, again, I mean, I agree with uh, Eric Weiner here. You can't look for thin places. You can't be standing there thinking, oh, I want to have an emotional experience here because I think this should be a thin place in my life. Um, doesn't work that way. But, you know, now that this concept is in your head and maybe um, maybe things like that will occur to you. Um, it certainly did to me just sort of knowing that I was going to do this episode. It just made me sort of find these points of connection, see um, sort of beyond things a little, a little more clearly, just to see a little more clearly. As St. Paul says in Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now in part, but then I shall know even as I am also known. So beautiful. So again, connection, beauty, uh, just just looking for thin places in the world. I wish you wish you luck in finding them. I'm going to end this episode with um, with with a record with with a record we played today. Uh, George Harrison. We were just talking about the Beatles last night and just the complicated dynamics. And I have I really have a soft spot for George. I think that he was very talented and was kind of um, you know there was almost too much talent in that group, right, and too much personality. So I don't know if he always got the attention he deserved. But I also think that he was uh, you know he was a real spirit spiritual seeker. I don't know if he ever really found what he was looking for, but I'm sure that he experienced and found some thin places in the world. So I thought I would leave us here with some some George Harrison. And I always leave links in the show notes and everything like that to everything I've uh, referenced and music and things like that. So you can find those in the show notes. But I wish you a beautiful week and end of summer. And uh, I will talk to you again in September. All right. I'm Katie Marquette, and this is Born of Wonder.
And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. 